today's top story, Taiwan reported 78 local COVID cases on Tuesday, marking the second day in a row with a case count below 100. More than half the cases were from New Taipei, which was followed by Taipei with 25 cases. On Tuesday, health officials reported six COVID deaths, all people over 50 years old who also had chronic diseases. To prevent the spread of the Delta virus variant, Taiwan will now test all international arrivals, even the ones who have no COVID symptoms. The Central Epidemic Command Center announced the policy on Tuesday with immediate effect. All arrivals to Taiwan will undergo free PCR testing one day before the end of their home quarantine or isolation. The U.S. has unveiled the list of countries that will receive its second wave of COVID vaccine donations, a total of 55 million doses. Although Taiwan is on the list, sources say that it will not be receiving a second round of donations. According to the Central News Agency, the U.S. had expedited the shipment of its entire donation to Taiwan, a total of 2.5 million doses, which were flown into Taoyuan last Sunday. Last Sunday evening, a flight carrying 2.5 million doses of the Moderna vaccine touched down in Taiwan. It was a gesture of friendship that moved many in Taiwan. It also provoked anger from Beijing. For their own selfish political gains, the DPP authorities constantly seek political manipulation over anti-epidemic cooperation, showing disregard of the lives and the health of Taiwan compatriots and violating the basic humanitarian spirit. We urge the U.S. side not to use vaccine aid for political maneuvers or interference in China's internal affairs. On Monday, Washington unveiled its latest list of countries that will receive its vaccine donations. Today, the Biden-Harris administration announced the distribution list for the remaining 55 million of the 80 million doses of America's own vaccine supply. President Biden has pledged to send out globally. Uh, and allocate by the end of June in service of ending the pandemic. The White House, which will donate 80 million doses, has announced the countries to get vaccines in its second wave of shipments. Although Taiwan is on the list, the Central News Agency reports that Taiwan will not be receiving additional doses in the second wave. According to its sources, the U.S. shipped its second wave donation to Taiwan ahead of time last Sunday to meet its urgent need. Already, we have sent millions of doses to the world, including 2.5 million doses that arrived in Taiwan this weekend. The U.S. has shipped out less than 10 million doses so far, falling short of its original target. The White House press secretary said there have been logistical challenges and that language barriers have caused delays. A senior U.S. official told Reuters that Taiwan's donation was sent quickly because experts on both sides were able to work out regulatory issues. As we work with countries, uh, we need to ensure that there's uh, safety and regulatory information is shared. Uh, some supply teams need needles, syringes and alcohol pads. Uh, transportation needs, uh, teams need to ensure that there are proper temperature storage, pre prevent breakage and ensure the vaccine immediately clears customs. In its second wave of donations, Washington will send 55 million doses, 16 million for Asia, 14 million for Latin America and the Caribbean, and 10 million for Africa. The remaining 14 million doses are set aside for regional priorities and other recipients. Two and a half million Moderna doses from the U.S. are undergoing inspection and could be ready to administer as early as July 1st. The Central Epidemic Command Center says that once they're ready, they'll be offered to an estimated people across nine priority groups. 
the first six groups are already eligible. Groups 7, 8 and 9 are new to the list. The CCC says uh, that once Moderna shots are available, people in all nine groups will be allowed to choose between AstraZeneca and Moderna. The seventh group is workers who maintain national security and the normal functioning of society. This morning, I saw competent authorities come out and make announcements pertaining to this. Group 8 is older adults between the ages of 65 and 74. In addition, people who have already received one vaccine dose can complete the course with a second dose at the recommended time interval. Priority Group 7 covers about 500,000 essential workers, including postal workers, railway employees, plumbers and electricians, workers at wholesale markets and slaughterhouses, and media workers in the field. Specifically, northern Taiwan, market vendors and professional drivers of freight trucks, coach buses, and taxis will also be offered the vaccine. Paraguay has signed a deal to buy Taiwanese vaccines. According to Taiwan's foreign ministry, Paraguay has signed a contract to buy one million doses of the United Biomedical COVID vaccine once it obtains emergency use authorization in Taiwan. The vaccines will be supplied through Vaccinity Incorporated, which is United Biomedical's U.S. partner. Fists together, they pose for a group photo. It's Taiwan's ambassador to Paraguay, Jose Han, on the left, next to Paraguay's public health minister, Julio Borba, and vaccinity chief strategy officer, John Harrison. Paraguay has signed a deal to buy one million doses of the United Biomedical vaccine once it obtains emergency use authorization. With that, Paraguay will be among the first in the world to obtain the Taiwanese vaccine. It shows that even Paraguay trusts Taiwan's process for emergency use authorization. There are many politicians in our country who are neither epidemic prevention experts nor medical personnel who keep trying to prove that Taiwan's EUA process isn't up to scratch, isn't good enough. I think that with a thing like this, we need to trust the experts. United Biomedical confirmed that several countries have reached out to procure vaccines and that Paraguay has been the first to sign the deal. It says that it will be able to export its COVID vaccine this year. United Biomedical founder Wang Changyi was confident when discussing the vaccine's development timeline and production capacity. Basically, in mid-June, we'll be able to sort out the data. At the end of June, we will apply for EUA. Say that on July 15th, we successfully get the unanimous approval of the expert committee and obtain EUA. We'd be able to deliver several million doses the very next day. We would be able to deliver all of 5 million doses. United Biomedical said that once it obtains EUA, it would be able to ship the 5 million doses pre-ordered by Taiwan's government. The firm has been mass-producing its vaccine as it's been running its phase 2 trial. By early June, it had made 280,000 doses and production is still underway at a clip to fulfill its pre-orders. Later on, it plans to work with India to launch a local phase three trial. Meanwhile, Medigen has a vaccine candidate that's completed phase two, and it's already filed for EUA. Last week, it signed an MOU with Paraguay to launch a phase three trial. Although they're facing controversy at home, domestic vaccines are taking big steps overseas with an eye on obtaining international recognition. People who qualify for a COVID bailout can now apply online. But what about those that don't know how to use the internet? 
older adults are saying they can't find their way on the government's application websites. Some are even paying agents to apply for them at a rate of $3,000 per application. They have to have a company chop, a personal chop, a business tax bill, and an account number, the whole lot. Some of these people are in their 50s and 60s and don't even have a computer at home. COVID bailouts are available now, and due to the pandemic, most programs are taking applications online only. But it's a hurdle too high to scale for older adults unfamiliar with the Internet. According to one complaint, some people are capitalizing on the situation by charging a fee for submitting an application. The going rate is 3,000 NT. It's already so difficult to get this bailout of 40,000 NT. Now I have to pay 3,000 NT to have someone apply for me. I don't think that everybody's minds work the same way. We Southerners are very uncomplicated people. We open up shop in the morning and then close it down at night. We sit and chat in between. These people don't go on the internet. On the Economics Ministry's website, the application forms are placed front and center. Navigating the site is a cinch for the internet generation, but it's been a headache for older adults with low digital literacy. Click to the download section, and there's a data sheet to read and four forms to complete. For some older would-be applicants, they're a struggle to get through. The applicant has to print the forms out, stamp them, and then take photos of them. As for the various pieces of documentation, the applicant also has to upload photos. This system lets the reviewer receive a large volume of applications at a time. But for applicants with low digital literacy, it's simply confounding. And the troubles don't end there. Farmers and fishermen who received a bailout last year were automatically given another one this year. But many of them are also eligible for a different bailout that's worth more. To apply, they have to return the bailout that was paid automatically into their account. They have to wire the money back to the issuing agency and submit a letter of consent for bailout cancellation before being able to apply for a different bailout. It's all too many steps for many applicants. Right now we are trying to prevent public gatherings. If the epidemic slows down, we will open physical counters to service applicants. For now at least, online applications are to stay. One lawmaker says the government should recruit young adults to help senior citizens apply so that the bailout doesn't become a source of public grievance. The U.S. Department of State has expressed its support for Taiwan after seven of Taiwan's diplomats were forced to withdraw from Hong Kong. The seven diplomats were denied visa extensions because they refused to sign letters of commitment to the One China principle. U.S. State Department spokesman Ned Price said it stood with Taiwan in the face of Chinese intimidation. He emphasized that the U.S.-Taiwan relationship was, quote, rock solid. Taiwan recalls its representative officials in Hong Kong after the Chinese-ruled city demanded they sign a document supporting Beijing's claim to Taipei. Seven Taiwan diplomats were forced to leave Hong Kong after refusing to sign a letter committing to Beijing's One China Principle. It's the latest development in the unraveling ties between Hong Kong and Taiwan. At a press briefing on Monday, U.S. State Department spokesman Price voiced support for Taiwan. He said that Washington would stand with Taiwan in the face of Beijing's continued efforts to intimidate the people, just as the U.S. stands with the people of Hong Kong in the face of Beijing's efforts to stifle freedom of expression. Price reiterated that U.S. support for Taiwan was rock solid. 
The government of Hong Kong has put pressure on Taiwan on behalf of China, which once again shows that one country, two systems is dead in all but name. We have never interfered in Hong Kong's internal affairs, despite the government's unwillingness to face Hong Kong's pursuit of democracy. The Hong Kong government should not use that as an excuse to retaliate against Taiwan by deliberately making things hard. The spokesman for China's Taiwan Affairs Office, Ma Xiaoguang, said that the political authority on Taiwan was disrupting Hong Kong's prosperity, meddling in Hong Kong's affairs. But take a look at China's national security law for Hong Kong and how it has raised concerns among foreign firms and private financial groups, which are all considering whether they should prepare to leave Hong Kong. From this, you can see that the one ruining Hong Kong's prosperity is none other than the Chinese Communist Party. China has colonized Hong Kong for so many years, and there's been no progress. The only thing that's happened is they've brought the dictatorship to Hong Kong. The lawmaker blasted Beijing, saying it had no humanity. Experts say that as Hong Kong loses its autonomy, Taiwan should consider revising its laws and regulations regarding Hong Kong and Macau affairs, particularly its provisions for Hong Kong investors. Hong Kong and China. Hong Kong's economy is becoming one with mainland China's. If we continue to let Hong Kong investments be treated as regular foreign investments, we will provide a springboard for Chinese infiltration in Taiwan's economy. Experts also called on the legislative yuan to pass a bill concerning human rights and democracy in Hong Kong. If passed, the legislation would require the executive yuan to produce a report on any changes to Taiwan-Hong Kong relations and propose response measures. Let's head now to a food bank in Kaohsiung to find out how local charities are responding to the pressures of COVID. Since COVID restrictions tightened, many vulnerable families are finding it harder to make ends meet or even put food on the table. Donations to food banks are down too, as local businesses uh, fight to stay afloat. But with community support, the food bank's doors are still open to those who need help the most. A worker sorts vegetables in the food bank. Fresh produce like water spinach and watermelon go alongside frozen products to make a full set of kitchen staples. The bank is supplied by a convenience store full time, as well as by occasional donations from local restaurants. The food is given free of charge to local residents. One recipient is this single mother of two. In this bag are various products, including sweet potatoes, pumpkins, and noodles. It will keep the family fed for days. When this wave worsened and schools shut, mom was forced to take a break from work to stay at home and care for the children full time. I had to stop working on May 15th. It would be very hard without the food bank. Yeah, thank you. I really need it. Yeah. We all have to take care of the kids. It's hit our diet, our whole lifestyle. But the food bank, the charity, and the kind folks here have all been kind enough to help us like this. So it's very touching. It's not just local families who are going through hard times. Restaurants are struggling too, which has led to a 60% drop in food bank donations. But a local store has launched a meal voucher project, raising enough money to pay for 3,500 lunches. One meal costs 80 NT. We've raised enough for about 3,500 lunch boxes. We want to make up the funds that are missing so that our families can go and get a free lunchbox at our local lunchbox store chains. The food bank may not be as amply supplied as normal, but thanks to the hard work of many workers and donors, the show goes on. For local families, it's a much appreciated lifeline in a storm.
As level three restrictions continue, more and more restaurants and cafes are pivoting to offer new COVID safe services. We visited one Japanese cafe that serves its takeaway drinks through a hole in the, win uh, hole in the wall window. We met a restaurateur who is using his expertise to provide live streams from the seafood market in Ilan. Customers who previously visited his restaurant now buy their own seafood with his help. A barista makes a cup of coffee just like normal. The cafe is shut, but it's still running a takeaway window where customers can order drinks from the street. The cafe is a post-COVID business. Its owner knew this day might come and prepared carefully for the situation we're in now. We only opened in April, but the month before in March, we already started doing deliveries. We wanted to confirm the quality of our delivery service first. Shops on the street, like this one, are more able to cater safely to customers on the move, unlike stores in shopping malls or department stores. And now that takeout and delivery are the only options, branding priorities have changed. Expensive store decor is out. Fancy packaging is in. A visual delight makes customers more likely to come back. We want to be a bit unique in the little creative flourishes in our delivery packaging. Our brand is Japanese, so when you get your delivery, we want you to feel like the coffee has come all the way here for you from Okinawa. Meanwhile, this seafood hot pot restaurant is as busy as ever, despite being closed to patrons and with a very different daily schedule. Every day, the owner goes to Ilan Fish Harbor to pick up fresh seafood, then deliver it straight to customers. He live streams the shopping trip, and you can make a booking online. A delivery company will get it to you ASAP, and the service is popular with former customers now stuck at home. I have a lot of specialized experience with seafood, so now we're focused on buying seafood for our patrons. Stuff like this, it's all freshly caught. This is one restaurant that won't throw in the towel easily. Eateries are going through an ordeal right now, but those that can pivot and adapt are finding new ways to give value to their customers. Pharmacists are sounding the alarm about a looming shortages of syringes. As Taiwan's supply of COVID vaccines grows, more and more vaccinations are being carried out. But pharmacists say they're quickly using the country's limited stock of syringes. They fear that patients who need injections for other medical conditions could be left in crisis if stocks aren't gathered soon. The vaccination drive is at full pace. With each drop of vaccine so precious, pharmacists are keen to make each jab efficient. This has a minimum unit of 0.01, so it's not precise enough. Each AstraZeneca vial contains 5 milliliters, enough for 10 people to get a 0.5 milliliter dose. By using a 1 milliliter syringe, that can be stretched out to 12 doses with nothing to spare. But pharmacists are concerned that if all the smallest syringes are used by vaccinators, other patients with chronic conditions could be left in the cold. An injection of insulin has to be very precisely measured. A difference of 0.1 milliliters or even 0.01 milliliters is enormous and would lead to high or low blood sugar levels. In serious cases, it could create a risk of the patient going into shock. Currently, the AstraZeneca vaccine is being administered with 23 and 24 gauge syringes, often used for intramuscular injections. The more precise 27 gauge syringe is more common for subcutaneous injections and is needed for insulin shots and dialysis. 
A precise syringe might make a vaccine less painful, but stocks are running low and need to be imported from overseas. A supplier told us that right now they're already out of one milliliter syringes. Now there's this shipment of 2.5 million Moderna doses, and there could be 10 million more coming. We may need to plan ahead with this. In other countries, they've also run out of syringes, both one milliliter and three milliliter. As COVID ranges across the globe, Taiwan is no longer in a bubble. More supplies are needed for the vaccine program to be completed successfully. Pharmacists hope the government will plan ahead now and get the logistics right. Well, heavy rains battered Taiwan on Tuesday, with flooding reported in central and southern Taiwan. This round of plum rains gave a boost to reservoirs nationwide. On Tuesday, the economics minister eased water rationing in many parts of the island. Let's hear from her. The orange water alert, which limits water consumption in Taoyuan, Xinzhu and Miaoli, will be downgraded to a yellow alert, meaning the only restriction is reduced water pressure. In Jiayi and Tainan, the alert will turn green, warning of a possible water shortage. Over in Taichung, water levels at the Liyu Tainan Deji reservoirs have not yet reached levels high enough to consider the drought ended. We will continue monitoring the situation closely. Heavy or extremely heavy rain advisories are in place this evening for most of Taiwan's cities and counties. More rain is in the forecast all the way to Friday, although the heaviest should be behind us by Thursday. 